So we are uh, 37 and something hours away from 2019, and uh, the new year is something that people take advantage of uh, for new approaches, new opportunities, new resolutions, we call them. Uh, And I typically group people when it comes to the new year into two very broad categories. There's the dreamers and there's the realists. And the dreamers are the ones that say, this is my year. And the realists are the ones that say, you said that last year. (laughs) The dreamers are the ones that say, new year, wow. And the realists are the ones that say, new year, let me explain how. And it's all this kind of uh, trade-off. You know, let me just get a little bit of a read of the room. How many of you would sort of maybe identify yourself more as a dreamer? Put hand dreamers, hands up, fantastic. How many a bit more on, on the realist side of the equation? Wow, wow, what a bunch of lemon suckers, man. Sheesh. Well, listen, I'm glad you're all here, especially those realists, because I want to encourage us as Elevate Church to look at 2019, the new year through the lens of possibility. Now, with that incredibly overwhelming show of hands among the realists, can I just issue a word of caution? Let me go to the next slide. When, I, when we talk about looking through 2019 through the lens of possibility, listen, realists, don't allow your realism to become pessimism, okay? Because if you do, in 2019, nobody will invite you to their parties. Understand that? Dreamers, on the other hand, you think I just threw the realists under the bus and you're like, yeah, possibilities, synergy. Yeah, Yeah. understand, dreamers, understand that possibility needs to be married to a plan. (sighs) But here's the thing. Whenever you see a breakthrough throughout history, whether it's in a business, whether it's in a family, whether it's an individual, whether it's a culture, whether it's a country, whenever you see a breakthrough, the the catalyst, the initial catalyst was always somebody or a group of people who started to look at what might be possible. And they used that, that lens of possibility to actually fuel the potential for that possibility to become reality. I think two of the people that characterized this looking through life, looking through things through the lens of possibility are these two guys here, the Wright brothers, Wilbur and Orville Wright. Now, these guys we probably know uh, essentially were the first people to successfully cause uh, humans to get into flight. Understand that you have been dramatically impacted by the fact that these brothers looked through human flight through the lens of possibility. If you've ever ordered a product on the internet and it got flown into this country, you can thank these guys. If you ever bought something that was assembled overseas and you were able to buy it at a shop, you can thank these guys. You can thank these guys for the films you watch, for the, for the cultural experience you have, for the overseas uh, trips or interstate trips. You can, the, Wilbur and Overwrite, all of this, was made possible because they first looked at something that had never happened before and started looking at it through the lens of possibility. But here's what you need to understand. This shouldn't have worked because they were not engineers. They were bicycle shop owners. (laughs) David McCulloch, 
uh, wrote a book on these two in 2016. It's one, of the, it's one of the best books I've read in my life, let alone on, uh, in the bio, biography space, let alone on these guys. But this book, highly recommended. Neil Watson, you're welcome to borrow it. Um, just thought I'd get that out there. I knew you'd ask. In the book, David McCulloch, he says this of the Wright brothers. In no way did any of this, talking about them being, you know, bike shop owners and non-engineers, in no way did any of this discourage or deter Wilbur and Orville Wright. And more than the fact that they had no college education, no formal technical training, no experience working with anyone other than themselves, no friends in high places, no financial backers, no government subsidies, and little money of their own, or entirely the real possibility that at some point they could be killed. These bicycle shop owners had a hobby. The hobby was bird watching. They enjoyed watching birds and sketching the birds that they saw. And at some point, they asked each other the question, would it be possible for us as humans to take some of the principles that birds used to fly and apply them and create what's never been done before, human flight. Now, it's important to understand that while this was going on with them, the government had backed to the tune of $70,000, which doesn't sound like much, but remember that number, backed another engineer to try and come up with human flight and they couldn't do it. And the Wright brothers, the bicycle shop owners, the bird watchers did it for less than $1,000. They looked at the, this opportunity through the lens of possibility, or let me say it a different way. And let me encourage us as we go into 2019, own a space in the land of possibility, just rent a space in the land of reality. Now, the land of possibility is not denial. It is important that we define our reality, but understand that at any point in time, your current reality isn't your final reality. And that's the mistake a lot of realists will make. They'll think that, well, this is how it is. This is where we're at. This is what it's gonna be because it is that way now. Yeah, it is that way now. We need to start. That's our starting point, but it's not our finishing point. And when we start to look at things through the lens of possibility, our reality is our starting point, but it's not our final point. It becomes the launch off point, the jump off point, but, but it's not where we're stuck. It's not where we're staying. It's not God's best for us. This is true, and I hope it's true, as we look into 2019 with regards to our health, that there is a current reality with our health. And some of that, for you, it's currently a struggle that doesn't have to be your final reality, even though it's your current reality. That could be your financial situation. It could be your marriage. It could be your relationship with your kids. It could be your job. It could be your relationship with Jesus, that right now it's not really great. That's your reality. But when we start to look at those things through the lens of possibility, we start to see that our current reality doesn't have to be our final reality. So here's my question. What do you think is possible for you in 2019? What do you think is, not, not what's already happened, that's your reality. What do you think is possible? What's something that you think is possible for you in 2019? Is it possible for you to take steps next year to become financially free, to get out of debt? Is it possible for you in 2019 to see your health improve? Is it possible for you in 2019 to see your emotional and mental health 
improve? Is it possible for you in 2019 to see your relationship with Jesus improve? Is it possible? Start to see these things, these critical big rock areas of your life through the lens of possibility. Now, up till now, in the eight minutes I've been speaking, this could just be a motivational seminar that could be taking place over at the Crown Complex. And it's still true. And it would still carry some weight and still have the potential for some level of effectiveness. But here's the thing. There's actually a question beyond this question. There's actually a question that actually unveils, actually pulls back the curtain to a superpower that you will have access to as a follower of Jesus heading into 2019. And the question, it goes beyond what do you think is possible for you in 2019 to saying, to asking the question, what does God think is possible for you in 2019? Or if you wanna personalise it, swap the word you and just ask it with the word me. What does God think is possible for me in 2019? Now, while you're sitting there racking your brains, I'm gonna throw you a bone. I have some specific answers for you. And I'm gonna get to them in a minute. But before I do, this question, some of you, it's spinning your your brain around 180 degrees right now. Because some of you grew up in churches where you weren't taught that God was a God that was interested in what was possible. You grew up being taught that God was a God that was busy telling you what you can't do and you shouldn't do and you better not do. Santa Claus. Well, some of you didn't grow up in church, but you had that image of God, that, that, that religious people were all about, you can't do that, you shouldn't do that, you better not do that. I say to religious people, stop shooting on me. Nobody likes to walk around being shoot on because you just walk around covered in should and you have to go home and wash all the shoot off. So stop telling me what I shouldn't do and start telling me about what I might be able to do. What can I do? What's possible? Now... Now, there are some don't go zones. God's into some don't go things. He says to you, don't play tip and run on Boxing Day on the the middle of the airport runway at the the domestic terminal. It's a bad idea. He tells you that. Not because he's trying to limit you. He's trying to protect you. Well, he's saying, don't play tip and run on Boxing Day on the airport runway. He's saying, get aboard a plane and let's take off on that flipping runway and let's see what's possible. Let's see what altitude we can get to in 2019. That sounds pretty good. There's some shoulds and there's some shouldn'ts. God's allowed to should on you, not anyone else. But here's some specific answers. What do you think God is is possible? What does God think is possible for you in 2019? Here's some answers. Here's nine answers. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, God thinks it's possible for you to grow in one or more of these nine areas in 2019. Sound good? Because here's the thing. Every one of your New Year's resolutions can be grounded in one of these nine things. If your New Year's resolution in 2019 is to become financially free, then God says, great, I can actually help you grow in self-control so you stop spending more than you earn. I can help you grow in faithfulness. Though even though getting out of debt and paying off credit cards and personal loans isn't sexy, the key to doing it is consistency. So you're gonna need some faithfulness. 
And you're going to need some patience because you took a long time digging yourself into that hole. So it might take a long time to get out of it. And so having some patience, it's really going to help. Maybe your goal is health. God says, I'm going to promise you self-control. When it's someone's birthday at the office and they bring cake, you are not going to get fired if you choose not to eat it. They might shoot on you. You should have a piece. Stop shooting on me. Maybe your goal is, 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 is improved emotional health. Your news resolution is, man, I've been tormented with worry and anxiety, and that's become the new normal for me in 2018. I'd really like to see a much clearer runway for me with my mental and emotional health in 2019. God says, you know what? I promise you joy, and I promise you peace, and those things are waiting for you in greater quantities in 2019. What does God think is possible for you in 2019? His nine real easy, really great answers that are all very low-hanging fruit for you. What I want to do, though, is I want to show you where these come from. If you've got our app, you can pop that open, tap the Bible tile, and it'll take you to uh, one of the newer uh, versions or translations of the, of the Bible. And it's going to take you to something that Paul wrote. And Paul wrote this uh, slice of a letter to a group of people, not unlike us, lived in, a, in, a, in, a, in an important part of the, of the world, in a capital kind of capital city, port city at the time, a place called Galatia. And he wrote this to them because he wanted them to know that God's got some possibilities for you. God's got some things that he wants you to access. He said that to the church back then, and he says that to the church now. Here's how it's translated, what Paul wrote to the church in Galatia. Asks a rhetorical question, but what happens when we live God's way? Here's what happens. He brings gifts into our lives, much the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. Things like affection for others, exuberance about life, serenity. We develop a willingness to stick with things, a sense of compassion in the heart and a conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. We find ourselves involved in loyal commitments, not needing to force our way in life and able to marshal and direct our energies wisely. This is a snapshot of what God thinks is possible for you in 2019. And I look through that list and I read through that list and I think, man, that's a pretty kicking list. So I'm just gonna riff on them. They're nine, I've highlighted them in bold. Let me just riff on them. I was just sitting around this week doing nothing, you know, in between my golf game and my, uh, you know, because I'm a pastor, because that's all we do, preach and play golf. So in between uh, rounds, uh, I thought about, this particular thing that Paul wrote. Let me just riff on those nine things. Number one, and, th- and this marries up to the nine of the words I put up. Affection for others. This is what another translation calls love. It, <laughs> if you've been orbiting around the church's sphere for any length of time, you may have heard somebody say, church would be great if it wasn't for the people. Has anyone ever heard that? Church would be great if it wasn't for the people. And I, when I hear that, I just I kick that person right between the legs because it is the most stupidest thing anybody could ever say. Church would be fine. Was be, mate, church is the people. Do you understand? You're the people. And if you think the people are the problem, probably you should leave because you're the problem because you're walking around saying such stupid things like, church would be great if it was for the people. God's plan for the church was to gather the people to be the people from all walks of life, all generations, all backgrounds, all socioeconomic stratospheres, bring them together. And he says, now, here's what I want you to do. Even though you have nothing in common apart from me, love one another. 
Yeah, that's right. It doesn't sound possible, but for God, he says, no, that's actually possible. And not just for the church people to love one another, but for us to take that love that's empowered by God and out and love people in our workplace, love people in our communities, love people in our families, love people who it's not actually easy to love. People that are easy to love are easy to love. You don't need access to this superpower to love likable, lovable people. But to love less lovable people, we need to access this superpower. But here's the thing. Paul says we do have access to that superpower. Here's the next one. Exuberance about life, a.k.a. joy. If you grew up reading Winnie the Pooh, you would know that Winnie the Pooh had a donkey friend whose name was Eeyore. And Eeyore looked at everything through the lens of what wasn't possible. Everything was down. In fact, in case you missed it and you're not a poo expert, here's the thing. Eeyore lived in a part of a forest. Here's what the forest part of the forest was called. Eeyore's gloomy place, rather boggy and sad. I don't presume any of you want to live in 2019 in a place that's rather boggy and sad. And the great news is that God gives us access to a superpower that can get us to a place where we can grow in exuberance about life. Here's the next one. Any of you grew up in Australia and you're over 40 years old? When I read this before, you were already there, weren't you? How's the serenity? I know, I get it. I can't get rid of it either. Sorry for those podcasting overseas. Trust me, it's worth it. Saying serenity, that, that, that in 2019 you can experience serenity, like I said about reality, it actually doesn't require denial. It, it, when you face storms or some of you are in storms that are gonna carry over into 2019, when you hit them or when you're in them, God actually doesn't ask you to deny the reality of the storms. He does, however, say that all that you can see isn't all that there is. And Jesus was in a boat with some of his followers and there was a storm and he was at the back on some cushions taking a nap. And they said to him, oh, there's a storm. You didn't notice? He just looks at them. And they said, then they said, don't you even care? And he's like, oh man, you guys are asking me these questions because you think all you can see is all that there is. You don't realise that I'm actually, I was there at the creation I created the seas. And because I created the seas, I can speak to the seas and the seas are gonna listen to me and I can just say one word and the seas will become calm. But you can't see that, but I need you to see that. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna speak to the seas and they're gonna go calm. And he did. And they said, whoa, that's a superpower. And you and I have access to that very same superpower that we can actually experience peace even in the midst of storms. Here's one. Willingness to stick with things. We live in a culture now where if you don't like something, you can just delete it. You can just keep scrolling. You can just swipe left and they'll never pop up on your dating app again, uh, allegedly, haven't used one recently. (laughs) If you don't like something, you just move, you just leave, you just shift. And there's a missing piece that comes with sticking with things, that actually builds character, that actually causes, causes us to appreciate things more, appreciate people more, appreciate what God's actually doing because we think in little sound bites, but God thinks in the span of eternity. 
And if we check out of things, if we delete things, if we just swipe or keep scrolling, miss opportunities, we're gonna miss some of what God has for us. But that's gonna require patience. It's gonna require us sticking with some things because it's what God wants us to do, even if it's not the easy thing for us to do. But in order to do that, it requires access to the superpower, patience. But the good news is we've got access to that superpower. Well, I'm not a very patient person. Well, guess what? That might be something for you to get with God and ask Him to help you with and grow in in 2019. A sense of compassion or kindness. We've said this before. Jesus didn't just save you for you. He saved us so that we can actually extend compassion and kindness and change other people's lives as well. But for some of us, it doesn't come naturally and we're gonna need access to this superpower. Here's one that sounds, if you read the news regularly, which I never recommend, conviction that a basic holiness permeates things and people. You've met some people and seen some things that it doesn't appear that holiness permeates them. You think they're full of something else. We teach our team members here at Elevate. We, we gather them once a quarter. And last quarter, I taught a, 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 a lesson for our team where I focused on this principle, choose trust over suspicion. Because one of the things that we can get wrong, and particularly realists, with all due respect, is when something goes wrong or somebody doesn't deliver or expectations aren't met, we can default to suspicion. Oh, yeah, I wonder what they're really saying. Oh, that was always going to happen. Oh, yeah, if you know them, you'd know that was gonna, always going to be the case. And yet God says, no, 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 no. Oh, there's a better way. You can define reality. Your expectations weren't met. You can define reality. That person let you down. But rather than staying there and getting stuck there, you can choose trust. You can choose to say, maybe there was a reason for that. When some of you come in late on a Sunday, I think to myself, maybe Junior did a nuclear nappy just as you were walking out the door. And that's adding 15 minutes that you didn't plan to your schedule. And that's cool. Now, if you don't have a baby in tow, we're going to have a challenge because uh, you can't play that one. But, you know, when people, people let you down, they will let you down. They have let you down. They'll let you down again. Rather than choosing suspicion, go to them and say, you know, the, the other day when you did that or you said that, man, it really let me down. Can, can you help me understand what was going on for you then? And you'll be amazed. Not all the case. Some people are flaky. And they'll tell you and you'll be like, that's pathetic. <laughs> and the trust level will go down. But some people will say, yeah, you know what, I really, and this is the best way, by the way, don't make excuses. Give an explanation and then give an unqualified apology. Yeah, you know what? Sorry I was late to that thing. I know I let you down. I'm not proud of it. Here's why that happened. But let me give you my commitment. Someone that wants your trust and wants to build trust. Next time, I'm going to do everything I can to make sure that doesn't happen again. It's different than suspicion, but it's better. Involved in loyal commitments. I've already started talking about this a bit. This is countercultural. 20 years ago, if you put your resume on an employer's table and it had more than three previous jobs, they would assume you were flaky and they wouldn't give you the job. Now you put your resume and it's got seven previous jobs and they call you experienced. And that's okay. We're not expected in many workplaces to stay beyond two to three years. And we build experiences and we might shift sideways or take a little leap up. And that's okay. 
in some cases, that's okay. I get it. It's cultural. But we can't apply that same thinking to every area of our life. God's faithful and he requires a level of faithfulness in us. And we shouldn't treat friends as commodities. We shouldn't treat church as a commodity. Everything, understand this, everything worth building takes time. Eight years ago, or nine years ago, uh, I started interviewing here. Uh, there was a, a senior pastor, senior leader job uh, available, and one of uh, the team from head office gave me an intro to say, hey, maybe this is an opportunity that will work for both of you guys. And so they sent me the, the role description. And the number one thing at the top of the role description was uh, term of contract, five years. And I walked into the first uh, interview and I said, just before we go any further, see this first thing? Take it off the table. Like literally run a pen through it. Because if that's the deal, I I'm, I'm out. I'll just walk out now. Because everything worth building takes time. And I actually thought, five years, we'll just be starting to taxi down the runway in five years. And now we're eight years. Eight years, yeah. Eight years, their front wheels are just coming off the ground. And I'm only halfway through life as well. I'm, I'm only 50 years young. So I'm like, man, my best days are ahead of me. So if I'm only going to stick around for five years, so take it off the table because everything worth building takes time. Next week, this week, <laughs> better get that right, Gavin. This week, uh, Louie and I celebrate our 23rd wedding anniversary. Gavin Jones and his wife, Catherine, on the very same day, celebrate their 32nd wedding anniversary. Everything worth building takes time. And I don't say that to throw shade if, you've, if, you, if you have experienced a divorce in your history. I, I, get, I understand that. But here's what, I'm, here's what I am saying. And, and I've shared some of this about Louis and my story. We, we had people putting money on the fact that we would not last five years. We had people putting money on the fact that we wouldn't last five months. Now, there was clear evidence to, to, to support that. Some of you know, we had our honeymoon down at Cave's house in Yelling Up. Night two, Louise snuck away from our apartment and phoned her mum back in Perth. We were in Yelling, phoned her mum back in Perth and said, Mum, can you please come and pick me up and rescue me from, this is awful. I didn't know that was happening. I was the cause of it, but I didn't know that was happening. Now, her mum, in, in a rare glimpse of wisdom from my mother-in-law, she said, she doesn't listen to the podcast, I'm good. <laughs> Even if she did, it's fine. She's a travel agent in guilt trips. I've been sent on many of them. Um, <laughs> she said, no, I won't. You've got to, you, you're married now. You guys, have got to, you, got to, you guys have got to work it out. And 20, coming up 23 years. But everything worth building takes time. But there's something promised. There's a faithfulness. There's a superpower that's promised to us. Not needing to force our way. Gentleness. You know, influence is built on trust, not manipulation. Built on trust, not coercion. Built on trust, not bullying. If you want to actually have a, more influence in your friends and family's life, build trust. Use gentleness. Try to actually be someone who lives for them to win not just for you to win. And maybe God will bring about a win-win rather than a win-lose. Life is not a zero-sum game. And then this final one, marshal and direct our energies wisely, self-control. Uh, I'm not a dog owner, but I have it on good authority from dog owners that Labradors have the potential to eat and eat and eat until they vomit. 
I don't know that for a fact. I've never seen it, but I've heard that to be the case. And what I say to people, humans, you are not a Labrador. You do not have to surrender to everything that is put in front of you. You do not have to give your appetite, especially your appetite for destruction, the driver's seat to your life. And I've got friends, close friends, and we even have some people in our church that are actually struggling with some controlling situations, some destructive situations. And I know they would do anything to be able to wind the clock back to where they actually, before they let go of self-control. But the good news is that God says there's a superpower called self-control and it's available to you and to me in 2019. Now, I'm nearly done. There's nine. It's a lot. And here's the rookie mistake. The rookie mistake is to try and choose all nine and work on them in 2019. In fact, in fact, the rookie mistake is to try and choose more than one. The pro move is for the first three months of 2019, look at that list, and it's in our app in the Bible tile, even if you didn't break it out, you can go home. Oh, what was that Paul Galatians? Fruity, self-controlly, elchity thing in me. Just tap the Bible. There it is. There's nine. They're listed out for you. Pick one. Pick what you say, man, th- you know what? That's the one that I need to work on into 2019. And if you're struggling to identify the one that you need to work on the most, ask somebody close to you <laughs> because they already know. <laughs> they do. They do. They already know. Your spouse knows. Some of them have been elbowing you for the last 15 minutes. That's you. Pick, pick one. When you go to learn to salsa dance, a good instructor will teach you one move when you first enroll in the class. Step forward, step back. Step forward, step back. Step forward, step back. Well, this doesn't feel like salsa dancing. Step forward, step back. It's one move. And everything's going to be built on that. And once you've got that move down, then we can have a look and see if your hips don't lie. But until then, (laughs) pick one. And the good news is, unlike a self-improvement seminar, you don't have to have simply more willpower for these things to be true in your life. Because look at that first thing. Paul says, he brings gifts into gifts. They're gifts. You don't earn them. Probably sometimes don't deserve them, but they're gifts because that's the nature of who God is. Gifts into our lives, much the same way as when you have more willpower and pace up and down and clench your cheeks and scream and do kamikaze moves in an orchard, then fruit appears. No, no, just much in the same way that fruit appears in an orchard. It just appears. It just appears. One day it wasn't there, and next day it was there, and then it kept on growing. But it grows because of us deciding to live God's way. And I've said this many times. Some people think I should be burnt at a stake for saying this. God's love is unconditional, but his promises are not. 
His promises have a trigger. They're available to everybody. In other words, they're motivated by love, but there's something that triggers it. And often, almost always, that trigger is something that God requires of us. Here's what He requires of us. In order to trigger all of these things, in order for all of these things to naturally, uh, miraculously appear and grow just like the way fruit appears in an orchard, it requires us to commit to live God's way. So beyond asking the question, whilst it's important, what does God think is possible for me in 2019 is this question. This is the key to unlocking all of those superpowers. How closely am I going to follow Jesus in 2019? That's the key to unlocking all of these superpowers. They're the blessing that comes as a result of the condition. But the condition is, how closely am I going to follow Jesus in 2019? Is Jesus peripheral to my world and I'm at the centre of it? Is Jesus somewhere off? I can still see Him, sort of, at a distance. Or is, or is He someone that you are going to commit to intimately follow in 2019? And if you do, then Paul said, then, then this this smorgasbord of fruit is available to us. But it's available to us having first committed to closely following Jesus, to doing what we can to live God's way. And so here's five what we call elevate essentials. I'm gonna finish with this. Now, these are in addition to some of the personal spiritual disciplines, things like prayer, things like Bible reading. I'm just gonna assume you're doing that. Praying consistently and reading your Bible. I mean, why wouldn't you? So I'm just going to assume you're doing that. In addition to those things, we have a very, very intentionally simple approach here at Elevate. We talk about what we do here on a Sunday morning as our live experience. The church coming together, experiencing one another in God in a live setting. That we're not just connecting on Facebook, that we actually are a church with skin on. And I would encourage you to prioritize that. If I have trouble remembering your first name, you might want to think about how often you're here. <laughs> I don't say it to shame you, but I'm just saying, is this a priority? Now, next week, we're launching 2019. We're actually going to do something a little bit different. The last few years, we've done a sort of a uh, start the new year, off, new year off with a bang and uh, let's launch large and we've, we've had series, which have been great. The power of same and how to get what you really want. We're going to do something a little bit different at the beginning of 2019. For the first eight or nine weeks, we're going to go on a road trip with Jesus and we're going to look at Jesus' life and stories and allow us to align ourselves with him at the beginning of the new year because <laughs> this is not witchcraft. This is not, ooh, that's so clever. It's not clever. It's obvious that we want to be people and a church who is positioned one step behind Jesus. And if he's in the driver's seat, road tripping, I want to be in the passenger seat. And where he's going, I'm going. So make it a priority. Staycations beat vacations. Beanies are excused. <laughs> we talk about Elevate Groups. Now, I've already had two people approach me in December saying that God's uh, nudged them to launch a new, to lead 
launch and lead a new Elevate group. And I'm like, that is a banger way to finish the year, getting positioned to be able to create spaces and environments for more and more people to join Elevate groups. But at a minimum, if you're not part of an Elevate group, Jesus says, you can follow me on your own, absolutely, but not effectively. So that's a thing. Oh, I'm so busy. Uh, remove something less important from your calendar and position following Jesus as a higher priority in that setting. And again, we'll roll out stories of people that are part of Elevate groups and they'll tell you, this is it. This is why I'm part of an Elevate group. It's not that I don't have anywhere else to be. It's that I have nowhere better to be. Elevate teams, 2019, move from consumer to contributor. Plenty of teams, plenty of ways to use what God's given you. Giving, here's a way, trusting God, saying, Jesus, I'm gonna trust you with my giving. And, and it might not be that you start at your first 10%. You might start at your first 1%. It might be that, that you say, I'm going from zero to 20 bucks a week. Well, if that's your next step, then fantastic, because it's the next step. And just see what God does with that. And through the year, all of us, let's see what that looks like with our giving. And then finally, this one that we celebrated around Christmas. Invest, invite, invest. Yes, we advertise on uh, Google. Yes, we advertise on Facebook. But actually, the number one way that God wants... That's all right. Easy come, easy go. The number one way that God wants to build His church is by His people actually investing and inviting other people. Yes, we can do the Google thing, and we do. We're smart enough to do that. But, but there's something that God does in us when we start to position ourselves to reach other people. It causes us to start praying for people. And you can't hate people that you start praying for. It causes us to speak differently to people. It causes us to see things through the lens of possibility and see people and their eternal destiny through the lens of possibility. Um, so that's why that's super important as well. So listen, next week... Uh, using one of the few remaining working microphones. I'm going to be teaching and launching our new series, Road Trip with Jesus. Great to have you here this morning. Look forward to seeing you next week. And as always, bring a friend because they will be inspired.